Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is the post-game podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you all the big match reaction with views from the press box, the dugout and the stands. Welcome along everyone to the post-game podcast here on the Blood Red channel, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. My name is Patrick Smith and wow, that has to be Liverpool's worst defeat of the season so far as they slump to a 3-0 thrashing at the hands of Brighton and on the south coast. A truly dismal performance and something has to change fast, but no one seems to know what, particularly with Jürgen Klopp making his stance clear that Liverpool won't be signing any players this January. I'll leave the reaction in the hands of the experts, as at first we've got the Liverpool Echo's Paul Gorst from the Amex, followed by something I'm sure you're all going to be interested in, Jürgen Klopp's press conference, and then of course plenty of fan reaction, as we've got a lot to sink our teeth into. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Liverpool's difficult season goes from bad to worse after they were beaten 3-0 here at the Amex Stadium by Brighton, Paul Valley and in truth. It was a result that didn't flatter the hosts. It was a game that Jürgen Klopp, uh, just in his press conference a few moments ago, was called one of the, the very worst in his entire managerial career and that goes a long way towards uh, just how poor Liverpool were on the day. Uh, two goals from Solly March and a third from Danny Welbeck has condemned Liverpool to um, the sixth Premier League defeat of the season. It was one that they uh, thoroughly deserved in keeping with the uh, the kind of form of late. They were obviously beaten last time out, 3-1 at Brentford, and this was somehow even worse, would you believe? Um, Liverpool are now down to eighth, and after Manchester United had beaten Manchester City at Old Stafford early in the afternoon, Liverpool's top four hopes look uh, in a perilous position, and that's uh, something that will truly rankle with Klopp after he won the first two games. Coming back from um, the World Cup, uh, that put Liverpool in a position where they'd won four in a row and they were starting to look a little bit higher up the table, but um, the recent form has seen it all come crashing down. And uh, the real question now is where do Liverpool go? It's a midfield that looks uh, completely bereft of any energy, any drive, any hunger or desire, and just uh, the non negotiables and the basics that we come to expect from a Jürgen Klopp's Liverpool team is just not there at the moment. Of course, he's without. Diogo Jota and Darwin Nunes, Roberto Firmino, uh, Luis Diaz, but um, still no real kind of excuse for the performance that was served up today. It wasn't necessarily an issue that Liverpool were sure toothless or create a number of chances that they didn't stick away. It was just um, very poor defensively and nothing really in midfield. Uh, didn't really lay a glove on Brighton's uh, passing move uh, style under Roberto Zerbi. They um, just go from. Um, from just keep going from uh, one high to another, don't they? Under the Italian, it's been a, a remarkable, um, remarkable kind of upturn since uh, Graham Potter left for Chelsea. Everyone questioned whether the Seagulls would be able to keep up that kind of form, and they've shown that they can. Uh, Liverpool were victims of the Zerbi's Brighton in his first game, and uh, they covered a 3 3 draw at Anfield, but this was totally uh, deserved a massive win for the hosts, and uh, Liverpool's season, as I say, goes from bad to worse. What happens now? Um, how does Jürgen Klopp attempt to fix it? These are massive questions that he will have to wrestle with in the coming days. The FA Cup is up next Tuesday night at Wolves and if Liverpool bow to that then it really does just leave uh, only the Champions League as the last 
kind of trophy to go for this season and uh, that obviously is uh, the most difficult competition in world football to win so Liverpool's season not looking good at the moment uh, will Klopp be able to do some uh, manoeuvring in the transfer window and perhaps bring in a midfielder or two we shall see uh, Klopp didn't sound too hopeful of that on Friday and in all honesty having initially brought in uh, Cody Gakpo for 37 million it looks like there's no more money left in the pot for Liverpool to do any business with um, questions around that will go on of course but uh, what he's got at his disposal at the moment isn't working for him. Um, he went, Klopp went over to the away fans just to my left here um, at full time and kind of offered a bit of a praying motion um, as an apology to them but the real apology will have to come in an upturn in form and fortunes for Liverpool and so far given what we've witnessed here today and of late in general that will take um, a lot of turning around before it does finally come. It's finished here at the Amex Stadium, Brighton 3, Liverpool 0. Podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab grown diamond bands, all hand finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24 7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Thank you. Ian Doyle. I imagine I would have been happy with that. Um, congratulations, Brighton. They played an outstanding game. I really thought in moments maybe we made it a little bit too easy for them, but in general they played outstanding and we not. Uh, we, were, we, we tried to help the boys with a um, uh, slightly different organisation. Um, I actually thought it could have worked pretty well. We had moments where it worked well, where we put them under pressure. But in all situations, when we won the ball, we, lo- we, we lose the balls in a moment much too easy. Uh, that's the main problem. So it means we never get this something going. So um, um, and, uh, Brian was better for the whole 96, 97 minutes. But it's nearly half time. So and it's allowed for us as well to play not a good half, have a kind of a result and let's go from there. But then obviously the second half started with the worst possible start. Um, be one nil down. And in a game it was obviously clear already that one team is ready to play a really good game and, and one team tries to or fights have with themselves pretty much to get something going. Um, that's not the worst possible start and that's what everybody saw then. Um, just the problems are the same like last week when we spoke about it. We don't win the key battles on the pitch, the key challenges, and we give the ball too easy away. Um, that's difficult to organise, like protection for losing balls you should not lose. <laughs> that's not, that's not easy. But fully my responsibility because um, I had an idea with a different formation and um, that didn't work out. So, yeah. Sorry. James. Jürgen, you mentioned it's the same problems again. Is that 
are, are the players just not listening? Are you not going to be able to get your message through to them, or are they not able to do what you're asking for? Because it is the same issues again. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, I think it's okay to ask a question, but I don't have to answer. I don't think that I, I the, 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 the week looked like everybody got what I said, to be honest. So, bring it on the pitch is then probably a bit, uh, if you face a team full of confidence and joy and stuff like this, and then you, we, need to, we need to have key moments as well, where we put the ball over the line, which we, have, we had obviously chances. I think for 2-1, right, probably. Um, we had these moments, but they don't go. There's no, no, there was no moment in the game where, where we could get a little lift and go from there. And that obviously, and the outcome is horrible to watch. To be honest, that um, on one side, I think everybody from with a Brighton shirt on or a Brighton heart um, enjoyed the game a lot, and I don't think anybody with a Liverpool heart um, enjoyed it for a second. So. Um, I think the players listen. I'm pretty sure about that, but I know where they're coming from, and I see as well that it didn't look like it. But that's it. You, you, you went across to the away end after the game, put your hands together. Was that your way of apologising to them? For, yeah, I think. For what they, I think they were exceptional. To be honest, they realised that's not our day, and they still showed that they're um, real supporters. Yeah, of course. It's not. You don't, you don't have a lot of. How can you really show? <coughs> say thank you. But yeah, that was my way to do it. Jim White, you can you uh, integrate through the second half, you brought four substitutes on at once. Uh, I just wondered, have you ever done that before in your career? I, <coughs> so I think this was to, I, I, I said before, um, I don't know, oh, four at once. <sighs> we cannot change four so long, so no, probably not. So exactly, we only can do it since a few uh, months. Uh, probably not, no. But three in once, I'm for sure I did. Um, and um, yeah, just fresh legs, not getting injured. You know, we have these situations today. You saw it. We are a team. You lose. We don't foul usually, like harsh or whatever. But we got yellow cards, and you could see frustration was involved in that. And we had two yellow cards. We thought, okay, come on, we don't make it worse with getting a red and and stuff like this. So that's we, and it was clear. It's so it makes absolute sense to talk about it, but it was really would have been really necessary to play a real football, play a man marking system. You have to move, you have to play, you have to pass the ball and stuff like this. So we have footballers out there, so we tried. We, we, we said, okay, come on, give, bring on fresh legs and, and and let's play a little bit. In the end, nothing worked out today. But um, I think always in the little football playing moments, I think everybody could see how 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 close we were. To, to cause more problems than we did. It was first half a situation after two, three passes. Um, the centre half defensive with a long, big toe. If you want, if that's if he doesn't reach the ball, then Cody is alone in front of the goalie. Stuff like this. So we we didn't have that. I, I don't expect anybody to remember good situations from our game. What I remember is one one situation: Brighton going on the goalie or going on the centre half. So that was the story of the game. And. Um, that's why when, we, when you lose the balls in moments where it cannot be really protected, that's why it looks we stand on two feet and it just pass us full throttle speed. Um, yeah, nah, I have nothing good to say about this game. Neil Jones. Yeah, throughout your, your time at Liverpool, throughout your career, you've, you've spoken about fight and, and, and energy and, and challenges. 
does that make it harder for you to accept that the problem with your team at the moment, in your words, is you're not winning challenges, you're not competing the way you, you would want them to? Yeah, of course, it's something I don't like, but it's not that I think oh, you don't win challenges. It's my job to organize a, a situation like that, that the boys arrive in a, challenge, in, in a situation where they can have challenges. And um, yes, then, of course, I said last week I cannot win a challenge for them. That's true, but it's my job to organize it that they are arrived there in the right moment. It's my job to to make the right lineup, all these things, to set up the right tactics. All these, there's a lot, a lot of things, and I had really nice moments doing that. Um, I I I'm not sure if I'm still. It's still because the game is so. It's only a few minutes ago, but I can't remember worst game. I honestly can't. And I mean, all, not only Liverpool. I can't remember, and and that's my responsibility. So. And yeah, that makes it a really low point for the moment, clear. Gents, we've a lot, lot of people asking, we're not going to get through everyone, so I'll give the last two on the front to the gentleman here. His decision. I was just going to ask if there are some games where you just have to say on the coach home, let's just forget about that. No, there might be games, there's not. No, this is not, a, I would say, a one off or something like that. Unfortunately, not. The, the, the moment is not great. Eh? So, yes, we have. Injury problems, all these kind of things, but come on, the team we could line up today was absolutely not a bad one, really not. Um, what we made of it was not good. That's that's true. Um, but no, it's not a moment where you say, "Come on, forget it." And um, <laughs> actually, I didn't. I didn't say a lot after the game now to the boys because um, I don't think anything what I would have said would have helped. And it's not the right moment to start if I have to say um, something which helps either way, like wake somebody up or lift somebody, then I have the time for doing that tomorrow. But I was not in the right mindset to do that tonight, uh, this afternoon. Change in particular with, with people like Henderson and uh, Fabinho and Matic coming off, who've been so integral to all the success that you've had. It, it sort of feels like that, that team is. It's something of the past now, and you would really have to build something completely oh. new. It's our fault that you can ask this question. I understand it, but it's not like the changes had now nothing to do with that. So I cannot change offensive players because I don't have really. So it's not that we say, okay, all up front is everything all right, um, but in midfield is everything um, not good. That's why we changed there. We, 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 <laughs> we're slightly limited, um, but uh, our fault that you have that impression. So, but, but neither Fabinho nor Henderson have had their best season this year, have they? And yeah. some others, uh, true. No, if they, yeah, no, probably not. Who had the best? Who had their best season yet for us? Yeah, difficult there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but I, 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 that's the the normal things that are coming up when you when you open the door for these kind of questions, for these kind of um, um, thoughts. I understand that, but we have to make sure that you can ask this question anymore, and that's obviously our job. Thank you, everyone. Welcome. This way. Okay, sorry. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Steve Dawson on Liverpool's 3-0 loss at Brighton. Earlier today, in my head, 
I predicted that Liverpool would lose this game and it's the first time I can ever remember doing that and I've been watching and supporting Liverpool since the early 1970s. So perhaps I should take up football betting more seriously. This was this was unpleasant to watch. 11 o'clock kickoff p.m. here in Singapore and this part of the world we're used to watching games late in the day and in the middle of the week in the very early hours of the morning and I have to confess though this was one of the rare occasions where I was drifting in and out of sleep during the first half um, for some reason I was wide awake in the second um, perhaps the the stark reality of Liverpool and who they are today and this season uh, was was crashing home for me and um, fighting against the sleep that I suppose my body required. I saw a stat at half-time, six of Cody Gakpo's 11 touches in the first 45 minutes were in Liverpool's own half, so more than 50% of his touches. And he was our centre-forward today. No, you know, it's no criticism of him. It's, it's the way he was forced to play, the way we were playing. And what Brighton did to us. And let's face it, they played very well and they are a good side. But that's that's not really anything for us to dwell on, I think, here. Over the 90 minutes, others may well report this as well, but it wouldn't surprise me. Staggering, 38% possession, which I, I believe I heard was the fourth lowest figure under Jurgen Klopp's tenure. One corner in the whole game. All quite staggering stuff. I think that the starting eleven was arguably, as was the case of the game before, the best, strongest eleven that Jürgen could have put out. I think I would have liked to have seen a couple of changes. I, th- I think Cater had to play, um, given the problems we've been having. And I think also what I would have done is put... Gakpo on the left, Mo Salah in the middle and play Harvey Elliott wide on the right. I think we accept that his best position is wide on the right up front rather than in midfield where he's been playing. So that would have given him a uh, sort of a, a new lease of life for Liverpool, would have put Mo Salah in a position that I imagine he would relish and keep Gakpo in the position where it's acknowledged that he is strongest. But, but that didn't happen and, you know, that's no big criticism of Jurgen Klopp but as I and again I thought about this at half time as I looked at that starting 11 you could make a good case for saying that everybody in that side bar Alisson Konate, Gakpo and Salah have passed their peak in terms of their career and I'm sure some people would say well it's ridiculous that you can say that about someone as young and talented as Trent Alexander-Arnold. And again, you know, I would definitely hear that argument. Um, but there would be other people that would say that perhaps Alisson, perhaps Mo Salah, you know, are, are at their peak or on the way down. And whichever way you paint that particular picture, there's a large number of players who are on the decline. And you could add Virgil van Dijk to that, to that list. Um, and and others in the squad as well. Clearly, yes, there are people like Diaz, 
um, who are still on the up and up, uh, Diogo Jota perhaps, but we have a big problem in our midfield. We have a big Nunez problem, I think, that hopefully will be resolved, but isn't being resolved yet. And, you know, where I when I hear people say that the Liverpool we're watching now is the Liverpool we've got, it's not going to get any better before drastic changes are made, then increasingly you have to, even the most hopeful among us, even the most positive and optimistic among us, are having to start to acknowledge that now. I admitted to myself that we were not going to win the Premier League some weeks before the World Cup. It is now at the stage where I'm starting to have to admit that we probably won't get into the Champions League next season. That's a huge, huge problem. Is somebody like Jude Bellingham who many believe, and I believe, would be a, a big step towards solving the problems we have. Is someone like Jude Bellingham going to want to come to the club in its current state? Especially with all of the um, uncertainty about ownership. You know, maybe not. <sighs> it's uh, not a happy time. At Galasahi on Twitter, G-U-L. A-S-A-H-I Brighton 3 Liverpool 0 um, that's the that's probably the worst performance I've ever seen uh, a Jurgen Klopp team have I can't think of a worse one um, every single one of them players bar maybe maybe Allison and Trent uh, is an absolute disgrace there today um, Trent is the only outfield player that I can think of that was actually trying to make things happen, trying to close, trying to be aggressive. <clears throat> Every single other one of them was an absolute disgrace. Um, they shouldn't be wearing them shirts. Uh, I'm going to be quite blunt about this now because I think they're absolutely horrific, horrific from from minute one. Um, if there's a moment that says to me that they don't really care that much anymore, um. If you watch the game back in the sixth minute, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain bat, uh, bottles a 50-50. Can't remember who with, but he bottles a 50-50. Um, it's probably a 60-40 in his favour, to be quite honest. And Henderson goes mental at him. And ever since that minute, I thought we won't win this game. I didn't necessarily think we'd lose, especially in the manner that we did, but I thought we won't win. Because every single game we've started this year, apart from maybe Bournemouth at home, we our attitude just stinks it absolutely stinks. And where are these leaders in this team that should be digging these players out? And to be honest, questions have got to be asked of Klopp now in terms of not him in his job, obviously not. I couldn't think of a better man to to manage us. But his decision-making, it took him to the 70th minute to make a change today. And he's a manager who's been asking for, for five substitutes in previous seasons. And, he cho- and he, you know, it takes this long to make a big sub. Why? Why Why is he taking this long? Why is he picking a midfield three that have consistently and glaringly obvious consistently let us down time and time and time again this season? What does Naby Keita got, got to do to get a game in this team at the moment? Because, he, uh, you know, I'm not his biggest fan uh, by any means, but at least he actually can dribble with the ball. He, he, 
he wants to go forward. He wants to press. He wants to harry. He's got the legs. He's got energy. And when he comes on, like he has come on in previous games, Brentford was another one. At least he offers a bit something different. You know, Henderson, Thiago and Fabinho is so slow. It's passive. They don't dictate the game. I don't know what our attacking threat is. At the moment, our idea is to just get the ball and hoof it. Literally that. Get Give it to Trent and hope he can whip in a, an amazing ball, which he did in the second half to uh, the Ox. But that is our literally our only outlet, our only idea of attacking. I feel sorry for Gakpo because... He's come into you know I've got a, I've actually got a piece of paper written in front of me here not to swear, but to he's come into an absolute mess. Um, I feel sorry for him that he's how is he supposed to learn our style of play when we haven't even got one at the moment? It, I, I, it's an absolute disgrace. Defensively, we look like one of the worst defensively defensive teams um, in the league. We're abysmal. Andy Robertson looks an absolute shadow of himself, a shadow of himself. He needs to, he needs to calm his aggression and just play his football. He looks so wound up before he's even got on the pitch. He's just awful. Mo Salah, Jesus, wept. Honest to God, awful. Just absolutely horrendous. I, I don't know. I think questions have seriously got to be asked of Klopp in terms of what what our starting eleven was all about. Oxlade-Chamberlain, not good enough. I'd rather see Ben Doak be started. At least he's, you know, he's direct, he's got energy, he wants to go forward, he wants to take his full back on. At least he's got that. You know, what's he got to lose? He's adventurous. I'd rather see him start than the Ox. <sighs> that midfield three, I, I can't believe he went with the same midfield three that has just not performed this season. I don't know. The, the, someone needs to ask him that in that... In that press conference, um, they need to ask him some hard questions. Brighton wanted it more than us today. In fair play, they absolutely played us off the park. They were absolutely ten. They were brilliant. They were fluid football, attacking. They could play through the thirds. They were amazing. They got some great players there. Um, and they, but they wanted it more than us today. I don't mind getting beat by a better team, but when their applications better, when their attitudes better. I can't accept that. I can't accept it. It's, it's, it's embarrassing. It's painful to watch. I feel sorry for our fans that have travelled that far down to watch that. You know, one of them players or the club should reimburse their fans of tickets. I, I, I seriously mean that. I seriously mean that. Um, it's a disgrace. It really is awful. Hi, this is Owen from Cop On Podcast. Liverpool fall to 8th then, and if, like a British TV pundit, you haven't been paying much attention to the football this season, then today's 3-0 mauling at the hands of the excellent Brighton and Hove Albion might come as a, as a bit of a surprise. For those of us unlucky enough to be emotionally invested in Liverpool FC, however, this result is as unsurprising as the dull, drudgery of another grey winter's day. The predictable nature of losing in this manner, however, doesn't lessen the sadness suffused by it. Liverpool need midfielders who can run and tackle. Liverpool need to stop playing our knackered players. We need a defender, or perhaps two. 
Five players at least should help, and we need them urgently. Anything else, and not just this season, but even next season, is in danger. Top four went a long time ago. As it stands, without any FSG investment, top half is the challenge. Our owners, if they, have, if they have even a shred of the intelligence that they have shown over the years, must surely be aware that they had better start investing the dividends gained from three Champions League finals, one Champions League and one Premier League win, uh, a huge deal with Nike, the Redbird Capital investment, and other windfalls that have come our way, or else the protests from the fans that I believe are due to start next week will only get larger and larger. This is Owen from Cop On Podcast, thoroughly beaten, utterly angry, and desperately in need of some manner. From on high, show us what you've got, FSG. Show us what you've got. And horrendous performance from Liverpool at Brighton, and one which really has been the low point for me of the Klopp era. I think this was the worst performance that I've seen from Liverpool under the manager's tenure, and one that, how can I put this, even even when Liverpool started under Jurgen Klopp and they weren't quite achieving what they was setting out to, you know, they had some weaknesses in certain areas of the field. From the moment he came into the club, he provided elite coaching, obviously with his coaching staff, and that meant that Liverpool were always able to be more than the sum of the parts, obviously culminating in them winning every trophy there's been to win in football. And before I start, obviously that's the big caveat of all of this, that they've been absolutely superb players, managers, everyone recruitment, everything to do with the club to allow them to get to the point that they did get to. And with and without the ball, I, I couldn't have been more praise in in what I was on a, on a week-to-week, month-to-month basis for the tactical with and without the ball structure and plan that Jürgen Klopp was and his coaching staff provided for Liverpool. Obviously, Liverpool have got some fantastic players and had some fantastic players during that period which were able to implement the game plan. I get that, you know, it's all about... And it does make a big difference in terms of the quality of players you're able to accumulate throughout your squad. But even when Liverpool were lesser side in the early stages with lesser players, there was a real identity to how Liverpool played, as I say, both with and without the ball. Attacking combinations, functions of play in the final third, cohesive movement patterns, which meant... You, you could distinguish Liverpool, even if they were playing in a different kit. You'd have, you know, you knew the movements that Liverpool would, would make in that final third to be able to create chances. And also, on the flip side, how they would play against the ball. So, you know, what elements they would put into the game plan to allow them to, to pressure high on the field, provide suffocation to the opposition within their own half, which allowed Liverpool to have tactical superiority logistical superiority on the field of play, like the the field tilt for Liverpool was always advantageous in 99.9% of the games that they play. And what I just witnessed at Brighton and what I've witnessed over the last couple of months but culminating in this Brighton performance is a team that have totally lost their identity, totally lost their philosophy in what they're trying to do. And if you were to tell me an alien come from outer space and watched Brighton and Liverpool today and you said one of them 
nearly won every trophy there was to win in football last year and one of them was a you know an upcoming Premier League outfit you wouldn't have been able to tell which was which in fact you would you'd have said the Brighton were Liverpool that's how stark the contrast was this was a team who had complete conviction in how they would build up in their own third to be able to play out escape pressure and access the final third of Liverpool and a team who had complete conviction in how they were going to win the back, the ball back, the organisation of which player would pressure at which time, which player would provide support, which player would supply cover, and which and which player would provide provide balance. Sorry, in in all elements of when they would go to to circulate the ball when Liverpool had it, and Liverpool were the complete opposite. I could not recognise Liverpool in any way, shape, or form against Brighton, and it's been coming for a number of weeks, but. People keep touching on Liverpool without the ball, and I mentioned this the other week, and there's no doubt Liverpool have many problems without the ball. They're not able to apply enough pressure, they're not there to, able to get early enough, they're not able to get support in numbers, and teams are just simply cutting through Liverpool, whether it's circulating the ball to be able to create overloads out wide, whether it's being able to play through Liverpool, that is apparent, there's no question about that. But what I wanted to focus on in the last podcast, I think it was the last one anyway, was people aren't mentioning about Liverpool with the ball. And that is creating as many problems without the ball as just the opposition having possession. Because Liverpool cannot keep the ball. Liverpool cannot build up in their final third. Liverpool cannot have superiority in any part of the game anymore in which you always felt that 99.9% of the time when Liverpool were playing, they were the dominant force. They had logistical superiority on the field able to set up the field cells was massively in Liverpool's favour. Well, that has completely changed. Every time Liverpool have the ball, they are not able to escape the pressure of the opposition. They are not able to have options in possession, multiple options. And all they are simply doing every time they get it within two to three passes is handing the ball back to the opposition. Rushing passes, playing forward too quickly, playing forward with the incorrect accuracy, the incorrect way to pass which is allowing the opposition then to win the ball back and counter-attack Liverpool because Liverpool are having players too high on the field of play, not able to secure possession, which means the ball's then turned over. And because Liverpool's distances are so spread and so advanced, that means that the opposition are then able to just cut through them at will. And that is as big a problem for me. How have Liverpool now got into the stage where they have no patterns of play, they cannot build up in their own third, which means they can't sustain any attacks or sustain any pressure and simply hand the ball back to the opposition. And if I was coming to watch that game today, that is a mid-table Premier League team that Brighton have just played against. The numbers suggest it and the performances are reflecting it. The underlying performance metrics all tell you that Liverpool have been a mid-table Premier League team this season and that is exactly what they're saving up. And when I was looking at the manager on the touchline today, that was a manager who, I don't know whether at this moment in time he's exhausted all options in his own mind of how to fix the problems Liverpool are currently facing. I mean, today, in the first half, it was apparent that Liverpool had set up differently without the ball. And it was almost in a, a narrow structure in which, almost like a diamond, in which Thiago would act as the number 10 to pressure the ball. Gakpo and Salah would split as a front two, and then you had Oxlade-Chamberlain narrow right, Henderson narrow, sorry, Oxlade-Chamberlain narrow left, Henderson narrow right, 
and Fabinho as the, as the holder. And that was the structure in which they attempted to press the ball. And Brighton just played through it time after time after time. And the fact that Klopp changed the system and altered the pressing structure against Brighton, who albeit a very good team, you know, with a very good manager and coach very well, but Liverpool at the best would never have done that. Would never have had to compromise how they would apply pressure, which, you, which was previously their biggest strength. And the decision to put Thiago as the highest pressing player in the midfield was just absolutely bizarre to me. Because what that then does is, that takes Thiago away from the build-up deep, what Liverpool's biggest strength, or had been the biggest strength in recent years, being able to, to build attacks and having your most important player in that area to play in a high position. To me, that is the most concerning thing, the fact that Klopp is continually now changing his ideas, he looks muddled in his thinking, he has players playing in areas that you don't want them to be. It, it is a really, really concerning time. And I cannot remember, and I know obviously I'm more focused on Liverpool, but I cannot remember a time when there's been a bigger fall-off in a, in a team. And I know that Liverpool played an awful lot of games last season, but Liverpool has control of nearly every game they played, even till the end. I know they conceded chances towards the end of the season, but they played an awful lot of games. And throughout the season, you're always going to face turbulence. But this absolute drop-off, both with and without the ball, for me, is just unprecedented. This is a team who, you know, if it was any other manager in any other circumstance, you would say be under massive pressure because this is a team without identity and a team who looks second-rate and, and inferior to, the, to many of the teams they're coming up against. That Brighton was a team who were progressing and moving forward, and Liverpool looked a team who were stagnant, declining, and most importantly, without an idea. And people keep talking about you know, individuals and what individuals Liverpool are lacking. And I get all of that. Liverpool could do with one or two elite players in certain areas, but that is no excuse for the, the, the tactical flaws that Liverpool are experiencing with and without the ball. And I just don't know what, what the answer is. Liverpool. I will caveat this, this Chris, by saying Liverpool have been magnificent over recent years and that's just not the players. That's Klopp, his coaching staff, the recruitment team to get to the level he did. And that is why the biggest... The biggest problem that I have with it all when I watch Liverpool at the moment is because how can such an elite tactical manager currently be saving up this for Liverpool? And like I say, both with and against the ball. So, the worst performance for me that I've seen from Liverpool under Jurgen Klopp and at this moment in time, this team are without an identity and I don't know what the next step is to get them back on track after watching just after just watching that. You've been listening to the Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel.